You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every morning by Bobby Burton and C.J. Vogel. And a lot to talk about again this morning, guys. We're going to start with recruiting coaches, of course, out on the road, and Kenny Baker out on the road. More importantly, I'm going to let y'all take that. Yeah, coaches were back out on the road. Texas had a number of guys out in the deep south. Uh, Blake Gideon was out in Atlanta last night. He was able to see 2025 DB, uh, Gilbert out of Frederick Douglass High School. A pretty talented prospect. He hopes to visit sometime this fall, according to a, a or this spring, excuse me, according to a report from 24-7 Sports. Uh, Texas also extended an offer out to IMG uh, cornerback, six foot two out of Hopewell, Hopewell, Virginia, Major Preston Jr. Someone to keep an eye on. Texas is still kind of Moving around uh, uh, right now in the, the cornerback, kind of defensive back room right now in the 25 uh, class. Uh, Sarkeesian actually was out in Alabama as well. He got to see 2025 quarterback commit K.J. Lacey, as well as making a stop in Mobile to see the number six overall player in the country, uh, Anthony Jones. Um, very talented prospect if you're able to see his film, about 6'2", 216 already. Really impressive prospect. And then uh, Tashard Troyce actually stopped by in Mississippi to see Akeelan Deer. Uh, we talked about his film yesterday a little bit. Really impressive prospect. So coaches are hitting the deep south, and obviously Kenny Baker got his first taste of recruiting for the Texas Longhorns. Stopped by Cy Fair last night to see uh, uh, Landon Rink in person for the first time, and also got to stop by Spring High School and see uh, Floyd Guidry as well. So a couple early stops for, for Kenny Baker, and the Texas staff is uh, – is still racking up the miles right now. We obviously talked about uh, Jeff Banks and Tashard Choice stopping by with Sarkeesian to see uh, Brandon Brown and Emory Winston earlier this week. And now the coaches are continuing their movement on the road in the deep south, racking up air miles one day after another. Hey, I had a question for you. You talked to Landon Rink. I want to get two questions in here, uh, CJ, on this. You talked to Landon Rink yesterday or texted with him. What did he have to say specifically about Kenny Baker, the new Longhorns assistant. Yeah, he said he really enjoyed his time talking with him. He said it was very energetic. That was one of the the biggest things that stood out to him after, you know, I would say a pretty brief conversation with him that they were able to have at Sci Fair after a workout yesterday. Uh, 
you talk about Tashard Choice and what he's able to bring to the offensive side of the room in terms of being charismatic and, and energetic. I think Baker expressed that a little bit in his first meeting with uh, Landon Rink. So certainly encouraging. I, I look at it that if you can add energy and, and really a guy that's kind of younger and able to relate to these kids, I think it's you know certainly a win-win there. And that's the, the biggest takeaway that I had from talking with Landon. The other the other issue, you mentioned Floyd Guidry out of uh, Spring High School, the defensive lineman. But it, it is just amazing to me. Uh, I think the new term on this show uh, is going to be SEC footprint because they are just blanketing the South right now, guys. I mean, they the, the coaches aren't – it's not lip service right now. You don't spend the better part of a week. I mean, it's now Thursday. We're, we're getting in Wednesday. Going to be th- – they're still in the deep South this week. I mean, they're, they're staying there. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, And so I, I think that that, from a recruiting and mental standpoint of what they're doing on the on the on the uh, trail right now is very, very telling, very telling. I mean, they are not it's not just lip service. I don't know what, what else to say. Yeah, I, I look at it, the staff continuity of and, and knowing that Steve Sarkeesian is going to be around for a while allows them to reach new avenues, avenues and inroads that they normally wouldn't have that that time to get into. You look at what happened with Brian Kelly and the LSU changing of the, the coaching staff over there. Texas was able to leap into Louisiana a little bit and snag some guys that probably they 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 end up a little bit short for to LSU. With Alabama now in uh, a transitional period, it, it creates a lot of uh, new new avenues in which they can explore and and try and get some uh, some deep South kids. You know, because because we talk about it, there's a lot of talent down there. I think it's great. I mean, I, I think that's where the majority of the talent is in this country, and go for it. There, I mean, hey, look, the only place they don't have a real inroad right now is the Midwest. Everywhere else, I think they're good. They've got one in the, the East Coast with Kyle Flood in Jersey. I think they've got one in the Deep South with all the, the coaches they have and the experience, and then they have the West Coast with Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, and they've done well in Arizona. Yeah. Not, the, the true West Coast, but uh, Arizona with Bijan as well as uh, Christian Clark last year, Santana Wilson. So I, I feel like they've got this. I, Sark's done a good job of, of piecing together a staff that can, can go just about anywhere and everywhere. Got something else we need to yeah. talk about. Uh, the Bowl, the Shrine Bowl, obviously both going on. CJ, I know you posted some clips to social media yesterday of uh, Christian Jones. There's been some good returns on him amongst some other fellow Longhorn players. Can, can you give folks an update on how those guys are doing and, you know, maybe what we expect to see from them in those games later this week? Yeah, the Senior Bowl was the one that we expected to see many more uh, Longhorns running around on the helmets uh, out there in Mobile, Alabama. Fortunately, Byron Murphy has a late lingering injury that he suffered, according to a report, and he will un- be unable to perform this weekend. Jordan Whittington also not on the roster after being expected to be there. So that leaves Tavondre Sweat and uh, Christian Jones. Tavondre Sweat did not weigh in yesterday uh, for day one of, of practice. I think uh, we can ex- understand why there. Uh, pro- pro- probably trying to lose a, a couple more pounds going into his pro day and even into the combine where he will be uh, certainly looking to get around probably around 350, 355 pounds from where he was. Pretty crazy to say that's what he's trying to get to. Uh, but that's where we are. And then Christian Jones, one of the biggest winners of day one in pads yesterday uh, at the Reese's Senior Bowl. He was tremendous. He was going up against the likes of uh, Miles Cole out of Texas Tech, uh, Justin Ibogbe 
I believe is how you pronounce his last name, out of Alabama, and uh, several other prospects from uh, Missouri and Notre Dame. He had a tremendous day in the one-on-one pass sets. Uh, also got some time at uh, right guard as well, and I think that's where a couple NFL teams are trying to see if you can use that versatility of Christian Jones. Uh, weighed in at 6'5", 318 pounds, and just a hair under an 84-inch uh, wingspan, which is about or six, 6 feet 11 inches for those uh, trying to uh, – I, I guess picture that really long wingspan. Christian Jones had a great day yesterday, and it looks like his stock is starting to rise more and more as you start talking about uh, to draft scouts, which I know you did, Bobby. Do you, yeah, you the, the latest there. Yeah, I talked to a, a friend that I've known for thirty years uh, late last night, and uh, you know he he had a couple things that were very interesting to me. Uh, talked about two players, Christian Jones and Jordan Whittington, actually. Um, so I'm going to start with Christian Jones. Uh, Christian Jones, he he does not scout Texas. Uh, he scouts a different region of the country. Uh, he had not seen Christian Jones for more than a year, he said. And he felt like Christian Jones had remade his body. It was more wow. properly apportioned from the, the down, from the bottom up from what he remembered the last time he saw Christian Jones. So he looks heavy everywhere now instead of just have over heavy on the upside of his body if that makes sense. That's that's what he was trying to explain to me uh, as I took it. The second piece uh, that I thought was interesting is, you know, he said that the area scout that they have, each team has an area scout that goes to, you know, they'll take the entire state of Texas plus Oklahoma and Kansas and Nebraska. You know, they'll take a whole area. He said the area scouts question about Christian Jones is whether or not he could be a starting NFL guard, not a tackle, but a starting NFL guard and so that's kind of the question that they were wondering going into the senior bowl and that, that they had, you know, they have questions for each player essentially. And that was the question they had for him. And he said, after that, that practice, he thinks Christian Jones is an NFL starter at guard. And what that means for Christian Jones. And I, and I wrote this in today's article on Texas football, that the, the reality of it is the, the NFL GMs, they're working the lines of scrimmage in, in rounds three, four, five, six, and seven. If they think some guy is going to definitely be a starter at guard for them, that can move them definitely into the third or fourth or fifth round. It means that they're not going to have to wait and maybe get a, a undrafted free agent. Now that just a lot of that's going to say, oh, it's just confirmation of what we already thought. But I've seen things go backwards and sideways on people because it didn't go this way. All right, so that that's what he said about Christian Jones. The thing he said about Jordan Whittington was not as not as good, and it's more it's not has nothing to do. Jordan's injured, I think, and so it's it is what it is. He can't participate, right? The problem he said is this has been his problem is injury, and you want to see that guy out there giving it everything he's got, even if he's slightly injured. Now, if he's majorly injured, they, there was no they didn't have a, a have knowledge of what exactly the injury was but they they were like that he needs to be practicing at these things if he if he at all can um and so that was the that was the take on Jordan Winnington and, and so you know it's something to, to be considered now if he bounces back and has a good pro day uh he works out elsewhere etc it could all change but something to just kind of circle in your memory bank uh and remember if or if not he gets picked on draft day in, in late April 
Well, guys, the Longhorns baseball team uh, got a little bit of bad news yesterday, and I am going to bring this up here. First baseman Luke Storm, who actually transferred into the program from Duke, announced, my journey playing baseball has come to an end due to personal reasons. It wasn't the path I envisioned, yet I'm profoundly thankful for the individuals it brought into my life. Immense gratitude to the coaches who trusted and believed in me, offering opportunities to live out my dream. Above all, heartfelt thanks to my parents, whose countless sacrifices paved the way for the person I've become today. God has a plan, and I'm going to put all my faith into trusting him. It, how big a move is this? I mean, that that it seems like it's just a week before they really start. Um, yeah. Blake, so, Jay, what, how big is a, a deal of this? Because he was supposed to be starting, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Coach Pierce, you know, had some good things to say about him when he was on with us last week. And, uh, I mean, he was penciled in. Like I said, he, he played at Duke, did really well there, transferred to Texas, penciled in as the, as the first base starter. The good news is now they can move a guy like Jared Thomas back to first base, who was probably going to be the center field starter um, going into the season if Storm was going to play first base. So Thomas... Uh, you know, did very well at the plate last year. He played first base last year. So there, I don't think, I mean, there's going to be a little bit of drop off there, maybe, but you have that experience to step right in. Now the question is who plays center field? And uh, they got a couple of transfers in. Um, so I think it's going to be one of those guys. I think you'll see Gasparino go to right. Porter Brown, obviously going to be staying in left. Uh, but, you know, maybe Tommy Farmer, a, a freshman like that could could come in there. So it's going to be interesting to see, but, it's definitely going to, you know, it, it changes a couple of positions, not just first base. That's the interesting note, in my opinion. Yep. I think you were expecting a guy to hit around 12 to 15 home runs this year. He had an 850 OPS last year at Duke as well. So, you know, it, it, it's a tough loss. You know, that's certainly something that I probably uh, wouldn't have expected to see this close to, uh, you know, first pitch in the season, but <laughs> I think uh, for David Pierce, it's all about finding adjustments, and he's certainly been able to prove that uh, over his time at Texas. So, I, like Blake said, I think there's pieces around there to fill the void, you know, as quickly as they can. But uh, a little unexpected, I would say. Hey, yeah. CJ, I'm not a I, like I follow pro baseball stats. I've not followed college baseball stats. You mentioned an 850 OPS. What's a good college like a standard college baseball OPS? It's got to be different than the pros. Yeah, the pros is anything above 800 is probably pretty solid. Uh, yeah. You're looking in the, at, at college, anything over 1,000 is incredible. You know, that's really, really impressive. Uh, and in college, you see that more often than not in the, for your star players. Anything around 850 to 925 is probably a very good, you know, contributor. So they lose they lose a guy that's that's big, basically, mm -hmm. is the ultimate, this Luke Strom, uh, big, big player, Luke Storm, excuse me. Yeah, definitely. I, it's tough. We'll see. I, I think Tommy Farmer, though, it's just a matter of time before he became an impact player. It's just going to accelerate that timeline a little bit, I think, more than anything, because I think he's going to be really well, good. Hillman, Gasparino, both. I did ask some people uh, around the program last night about this. Um, I, I I am not as big a big cop Texas baseball fan as these two are on my right here. Um, but I did ask someone close to the program about it last night. And it it's, it's not a physical ailment it is you know he's dealing with some things uh, internally I think so um you know good luck to him uh, I I hate to see that about a young guy going through stuff like this but uh our, our best to him and uh, as he tries to work through this I hope he does find baseball again yeah 
For sure. Heck of a player. No doubt about it. Well, guys, before we move on, Bobby, why don't you tell everybody out there about Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm? Yeah, I, I got to say this. Adam's one of my, one of the friends of the program here at, on Coffee and Football. Uh, Adam and his team uh, have been helping injured Texans for decades. He's actually taking calls from this program, people that uh, were in a car wreck or truck accident, uh, motorcycle accident, et cetera. Uh, give Adam and his firm a call, 512-280-0800 or visit them at lowylawfirm.com. That's lowylawfirm.com. The thing with Adam that I, I think everybody appreciates, there's no strings attached here. Give them a call and see if you're actually due compensation if you have a question. Uh, they have a free consultation uh, that they do, 512-280-0800. Adam, we appreciate your sponsorship uh, each and every morning of Coffee and Football. That's right. Well, one other thing I wanted to talk about before we get to questions, guys, is, you know, we've been watching this Michigan transfer situation, the coaching situation all unfold. Uh, and la and yesterday, the first domino fell, it seems like, as defensive end Reese Atterbury went into the portal. You think we'll see more to come? Uh, he wasn't a big, he wasn't a, like he was yeah. a, I don't know. He'll be a grad transfer, I believe. Yeah. He but not a big contributor. Yeah, I don't think he's a domino is the problem. I think he's like, like, was Jaron Thompson a domino for Texas? But Jaron Thompson even played more. Yeah, that's true. Right? I mean, and um, so no, not, it didn't happen. I don't think it's going to happen for Texas or anybody right now is the way I'm seeing it. Now, the spring, uh, I think all bets are off. I think that, you know, everybody in their their – brother is going to be hoping that those guys go in the portal. Uh, but that is a more advantageous time for those players to go in the portal too. If you think about it, they'll have more, I don't want to say leverage, but they'll have more suitors that can get them into school right away, uh, et cetera. They'll have more time to make uh, their decision. They'll have seen what Sharon Moore does at Michigan, to be honest. I mean, look, I mean, Michigan's a great school. In a, and a great situation for most of those guys, right? They just won a national championship. It's not like you're talking about going from, I, you know, I don't know, Nebraska, Omaha, you know, not even Nebraska, Lincoln, you know, it, you're going from a great program. So uh, it's got to be one of those things. So I, 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 it was not a domino yesterday, Blake. I, I think that was one of those that's, uh, you know, I think that was probably coming regardless. I think he had something like 70 snaps the entire season. Yeah. He played. He wasn't a heavy contributor. Yep. Not a bad player. Not a heavy contributor, though. Well, guys, we are getting some questions uh, regarding spring workouts. So let's just go ahead and start right there. And uh, we're going to take these two back to back. Archmania says, is there any more feedback on the new arrivals and how they're settling in? Obviously, Texas had a ton of early enrollees. And then he's asked, who's making waves in workouts? And Miguel Gonzalez also followed that up with, what's the word on winter workouts? Are there any new weight room warriors? So what y'all got? Well, this is a fun time because we got we get to see the early enrollees kind of get infiltrated right now. I've I've certainly been following them. Uh, Alex January came to campus as one of the guys most excited to see at the defensive line position. He's been acclimating well. Uh, Texas is working to get his, you know, kind of movement techniques right moving forward. Uh, I've heard Parker Livingstone has been a guy that is, you know, has a straight line speed. They're trying to get his body right as well. Uh, that'll be something interesting to, 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 to monitor. 
excuse me, uh, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the the defensive backs work. And I'm, I've heard great things about Xavier Phil I know Kobe Black athletically fits that mold as well. Uh, but Xavier Phil me is someone that I'm, I watched down in uh, Under Armour uh, All-American practice in Orlando. And you could tell there's kind of a, a flip uh, or a different switch that he was able to get to. So I'm looking at him as someone that can make an instant impact this spring on the field. And I think he's had a tremendous start so far in winter workouts as well. Um, guys that I got, uh, I, I actually talked to someone on Monday. Was today Wednesday? Yeah, Monday. Um, the two freshmen that are probably the most impressive thus far a weekend for winter workouts, Xavier Filsamy and Ryan Wingo. That's what I, I asked point blank, and that was the point blank answer. Um, and so kind of kind of take that as far as uh, team overall, CJ, uh, you and I talked about Anthony Hill uh, and that process for him. Uh, another guy to, I mean, just be aware of, I guess, is, is uh, you know, Gunnar Helm actually was a name that came up to me that they think he's taking the next step. That 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 does not surprise me because we talked about this, you know, each and every year, Gunnar Helm's been a better player. And it had it wasn't just you know instant, but maybe one of the leaders of this team. Yeah, I mean that's that's interesting to me because, um, you know, it's just a, it's one of those players that you think. I mean, he didn't come to Texas. You thought, and eh, maybe he has a chance to play pro football. You know, maybe if everything goes right, he has a chance. Well, everything's gone right for the last three years for him. And he's just continuing to have, you know, he's building on it the right way. I, and, that, you know, I'll, I'll say this. That goes into the development uh, aspect of Steve Sarkeesian as well. Yeah, so. Absolutely. All right, we're going to do one other spring workout type question. Jason Washington says, good morning. Have you heard how the team is gelling so far with the new additions, the 2024 kids and the portal transfers? Seen some social media posts. They seem to... Like hanging out, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, there's certainly been a concerted effort to keep the player-led part of the program player-led. And I think that we've talked about how the culture has been kind of transformed, whether it be a Roshan Johnson or a Jordan Whittington. You know, Christian Jones was in that bunch as well. Jalen Ford of the past. Who's going to be that guy, you know, who, or, or group of guys? Because that leadership council that we've talked about, that Steve Sarkeesian and his staff like to instill the trust in and, and with his program, it, it's got a couple holes right now. This fall, or this spring, excuse me, I've heard, you know, the names that you should be looking forward to hearing a lot about are, are guys like Michael Taffy on, on the backside, you know, uh, uh, Kelvin Banks at left tackle. Anthony Hill's becoming more and more vocal as well on the entire defensive side. Uh, obviously, a guy that came in, a, a very heralded five-star prospect, uh, played a lot as a true freshman as well. He now has the the, the vocalness in that that uh, that defensive room to know, you know, people are going to listen to him. You know, there's a reason why he was on the field so often. He's a, a great leader by you know, just going out and doing, walking the walk, but now he's starting to talk the talk as well. Uh, that's certainly encouraging. Uh, Gunnar Helm is one of the guys as well who's been around the locker room and the, and the program a little bit more. But most importantly, it's about Quinn Ewers. And we're starting to see him really start taking on that true leadership void in which he is the most vocal of the bunch. And, you know, the, the, the first photo I think Texas tweeted out about winter conditioning was him in the middle of the, 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 the post-practice uh, 
you know, plank lines, you know, that, that was Quinn Ewers leading the workout. And I don't think that was by accident. I think that was uh, Quinn Ewers really starting to take this team over as his. And that's exactly what you want to see as a quarterback that's going into year three. So those are the group of guys that I've, hear, I've heard the most about so far this fall. Or I, I did it again, this, uh, this winter conditioning. I'm so ready for football to be back, even though it just left us. So uh, – <laughs> That those are the the probably the guys that I've heard the most about so far. David Benda's also in that bunch as well. So pretty uh, encouraging on the front of keeping the player led system going and guys filling the void of leadership that departed to the NFL and to a uh, uh, graduation. You know, I I want to go back to Gunner Helm that comment I made about Gunner. Um, and one thing I would say about it is that that helps develop your culture, right? That that kind of guy having success. I mean, these young freshmen, we just had, the, uh, Blake, you asked the question about which freshmen are looking good. You know, a lot of, there's, there are going to be some freaks at Texas, right? I mean, that, that, that's part of going to play college football at the University of Texas. You're going to, you're, I, when I was around, you're going to wake up one day and Eric Metcalf's going to show up on, on campus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? That, that guy's, you're, you're going to wake up another day and Ricky Williams is going to be on campus. I mean, the day he started, the day is the day you knew, okay, this guy's different, right? So you're going to have guys like that. But if you're a young guy right now and you're, I don't know, Alex January, right? Or, uh, you know, name a, name a player that has NFL potential, but it's not – it takes time and consistent effort. That is the one thing that I will tell you, Jake Majors, Christian Jones – um, Gunner Helm, guys like Jonathan Brooks, who was a backup. The the my my preach. If I were to preach to those guys, right, every day is an opportunity to improve, and it's that consistent one day at a time improvement over a three or four year period. I, we talk about it here at On Texas Football on our our web for our website each and every day. Just improve a little bit. In a year's time, you don't know what that thing's going to look like. Yep. Right? It's the same thing with a player. Each and every day, you improve one little bit in something. At the end of the year, how many? How much better are you than you were at the start of the year? If you just take it that one day at a time, um, and then you do it compound year upon year upon year, you end up with Gunnar Helm probably being an NFL player is what happens. And that's the ultimate, as, as we all like to say, that's the ultimate goal for a lot of these guys. Yeah. Okay, guys, we have a super chat here from Jeff Carey. Thank you, Jeff. And he says, great job, guys. What do you? What are you thinking are the best college fight songs or songs closely associated with university sports programs? Obviously, so, he's going to be talking about non-Texas related, so you can't go straight there with your answer. Yeah, I like the Wabash Cannonball as kind of a <laughs> um, third into the third quarter thing for the University of Texas on, on top of everything else. Um so I've been lucky enough to go to a lot of games, uh, especially back early in my career when I was covering recruiting nationally. Um, I grew up hating Notre Dame. Um, I'll just, they beat Texas when I was young for a national championship and I've, I hated them ever since. And then I went to a couple games there that didn't involve Texas and I love their fight song. And I, I thought, I thought it was a great fight song, et cetera. The other one that I like is actually, um, it's not a university song. It's actually Fleetwood Mac, and it's Tusk 
That's really, a, I don't know if you've ever heard that, but it's closely associated with USC. And I love that song. Uh, big fan of Fleetwood Mac. So those are my two. Not Rocky Top, not Boomer Sooner. See, I get Rocky Top stuck in my head and I can't get it out. Like the other day I went around singing it for probably about six hours. Wow. My wife crazy. <laughs> but what, hey, what, what you about do? you? What about you, CJ? What's your bottom? Going, uh, uh, the fight on and hail to the victors, USC and Michigan. Those, I mean, and I, I'm sure y'all dabbled with NCAA 14. I'm sure y'all were all over that game when it was out. Heck yeah. Just as I was growing up. But, I mean, when those songs came on, it was, I mean, the whole, the, the stereo's getting turned on. We're, we're bumping it in the living room. I love those songs. Uh, Inner Sandman by Virginia Tech. Yeah. You know, that, that, but that's, I don't know that you can really, I mean, you jam to that song, but it's not a, it's not, it's not a college fight song, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Kind of like jump around with Wisconsin and uh, yeah. what is it, Penn State that does Sweet Caroline. So those are out there, though. I, I mean, you could take those as answers. So. But interesting question, Jeff. Thank you for the super chat. All right, let's talk about recruiting rankings because, well, a lot of the recruiting services have come out with their final rankings. And King me asked, can you explain the final recruiting rankings and how Texas only has one five-star in the class? Um. Yeah. Uh, so what happens at the end of these, the end of uh, the all-star games is players get re-ranked, um, right? And so then they take the industry, like On3 does it and 24-7 uh, does it. They take all of the services combined and create a uh, comparison or a consensus or composite, uh, whoever they may be. And that's how it came out uh, was, I think Kobe Black may have been the only five-star uh, for Texas, uh, or, or no, Colin Simmons was the only five-star for Texas. Uh, Kobe Black was a five-star in some places. Ryan Wingo was a five-star in some places. Um, but only one was consensus, and that was Colin Simmons. Uh, Brandon Baker was just outside of that at 34. Uh, you're talking about a number of different guys that that had this issue. My, my take on it, um, and I wrote this yesterday on, on Texas football because people were asking me about it. I have uh, I don't have a fundamental issue with people that do these rankings. I used to do them for 15 years. I mean, I did this. I did it for a living. It's hard to compare a guy in Northern California from a guy in Southern Florida. I mean, the, the talent level they 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 compete against the the issues that they go through personally. I mean, a kid from South Florida versus a kid at a private school in San Francisco. Yet you want me to try to tell me tell you who the best running back is between those two when it's just hard. And so I get all of that and I'm not upset about it. I thought there were two egregious mistakes on this from on three's perspective, because I really, they're the ones that dropped their rankings yesterday. Ryan Wingo at number 92 overall in the country is ridiculous. The 15th best receiver is ridiculous. Um, he's got natural hands. He's got one of the bigger bodies out there. Um, you know, there were Texas and numerous, numerous college programs prioritized Ryan Wingo over about 12 of the four, of the 15 players or 14 players ranked above him. I mean, including Missouri, by the way. And there's a guy that's going to Missouri ranked ahead of him. So I'm not trying to, um, you know, I, I just felt like that was egregious. I thought Daniel Cruz uh, moving out of the top, whatever and he's going to end up drafted 
So I don't know. Moving him out of the top 300 makes no sense to me. And so I think that that guy's going to end up drafted at some point in life. So um, those were the two that were egregious. The others are beauty contests, whether Brandon Baker is 34 or 38 or 24. That's a beauty contest. Um, I felt like Wardell Mack was probably too low. Um, there were a couple others. Jarrett Gibb. Here, here's the other one that I, I went really off on is the running back position. I mean, look, they had seven guys in the state of Texas ranked ahead of Jarrett Gibson, six or seven ranked ahead of Jarrett Gibson and Christian Clark at running back, running back. Okay. Texas passed on all those guys to take Jarrett Gibson and Christian Clark. At what point does Tashard Choice and Billy Glasscock and Steve Sarkeesian know more than the recruiting rankings? They went out of state for their guys. Now, there was one guy that I think they would have taken, and that's Caden Durham out of Duncanville um, because he went to LSU, uh, but he has the speed. He had the, the plus speed that Sark loves. That was the one guy that I think they were that. I, there was also a guy at Lancaster that they were thinking about late. But other than that, Taylor Tatum, they, were, they weren't all shot in the you-know-whats about it. He's ranked number two uh, running back in the country, headed to OU. So, and he's from Longview. And, and Texas was very interested. I, he was very interested in Texas. So I, I feel um, uh, I feel very comfortable about it. I, I, in other words, I feel comfortable about what Texas did. The rankings be damned. Yeah. I'm with you on all of that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> look, I, I used to do, I mean, literally when I say I used to do it for a living, I, that's what I did for 15 years. It's hard. I, I mean, I get it. Um, I think there's some stuff in there, but a lot of it is a, a lot of it is who you see first and when you see them. They're overemphasizing certain aspects of the All-Star games now, in my opinion. Um, I think you can see more from the actual practices than you can from the games. Um, and I don't know that they all go see the same amount of practices at, at each place uh, because some of the, those games run simultaneous. Right. And so it's hard to see everybody. Yeah. Just my opinion. And just a, uh, a quick rundown here. Phil Smee was a five-star on Rivals. Wingo, a five-star on 24-7. Black, a five-star on ESPN. Baker, a five-star on Rivals. And then Simmons, a five-star on all. And so you had, you had five guys, but only one consensus. Yeah. So, and then for life says, as long as we have the guys that we wanted, do the stars even really matter? <laughs> no and, and the answer is no I'm um, other than like uh, you know I, I sat there and watched they don't we talked about the other day CJ you were saying who's the most talented college football team ever Miami was one of them Miami had I think out of all that they maybe had three or four top 10 classes they didn't have the highest rated star players yeah I mean, Ray Lewis wasn't a big known recruit for example Ed Reed got turned down by LSU. Had LSU stuff. I mean, Ed Reed's a Hall of Famer. Ed Reed is out of Destrehan, Louisiana. I did not know that. Oh, my God. LSU. That's crazy. I mean, he grew up with LSU stuff all in his bedroom. I mean, he was he wanted to walk to LSU. Oh, you're not fast enough. Cool. <laughs> you know, well, I, I know the guy that was recruiting him for LSU, by the way. That wasn't a good evaluation, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, so, we all we all miss sometimes, Bobby. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> just some bigger than others. Yeah, I mean, I'm just telling you now, stars don't matter in that way. They do, they do matter because other players want to play with what they perceive as great players, and so in that way, it does help you with some of the perceived great players. I think. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, here's an interesting question while we're on the subject. Jose Rodriguez says, CJ and Bobby, if you guys had the ability to rank a lowly rated recruit in one of the major recruiting service rankings, who would it be and what would you rank him at? I think we'll both have the same guy here, Bobby. Who? I was going to go with Daniel Cruz. Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, but I, he wasn't ranked in all of them low. Um, right. It took a while for his rankings to rise, and I thought – even during the summer going into a senior season, you could tell, you know, this ranking was a little bit lower than where it should have been. Daniel Cruz to me is, like you mentioned, a guy that's going to end up being drafted somewhere uh, after his Texas career. He was one that I was really encouraged about, you know, just able to see what he could bring to the table. I like the raw tools of Jordan Washington as well. I think that you can build on that once he gets to college, uh, get his body right. That's a little bit of a transition from being kind of that leaner kind of, uh, you know, basketball player uh, body. You can put him in the weight room and certainly see how that progresses. We saw it a little bit with all of the Titans that Texas is using right now, Jatavian Sanders. It takes time to see these guys get on the field. Jordan Washington, he has the ability to stretch the field vertically and the athleticism to go up in high point just about anything as a result of the, that basketball background. So I'll go with Jordan Washington then. All right. I, I would have picked Jordan Washington as one of mine as well. Um, Daniel Cruz is a little bit different because I think – here's a – all right. I want to say this before we go on. Um, Daniel Cruz is a perfect example of taste mattering of an individual program. Texas took Daniel Cruz as a center. In on three, they have the number two ranked interior offensive lineman as Casey Poe out of Lindale. A very good player, by the way, who committed to Alabama. Well, Texas thought Casey Poe was a center and did not pursue him. Texas likely would have gotten Casey Poe, in my opinion, had they made him a priority from, from get-go. But they didn't. They took a guy ranked 25 spots below him instead so beauty is in the eye of the beholder we'll see who's right i mean it could be alabama's right and it could be kyle flood's right we don't know but to your point cj that's the difference right that's the delta uh of what you're talking about for me i you know the guys that i were i was thinking of originally was a guy like um uh trey owens uh but ultimately they actually went up on his ranking at the end of the day i think he's going to be an nfl Quarterback, I don't know if he'll be a starter, but he's just got that arm um, and just enough uh, mobility uh, that he's going to be okay. He lacks mobility, in my opinion, but he's got some movement in the pocket that will make him okay. Um, the, the one that I would probably go with, in, and he ended up being ranked in the top 200, is Zena Umiozulu. Um, because I think he's still growing. 
And I think he's still getting, he's going to end up being huge. Like what, what is he right now? Six, four and the list at two, two twenty-one. Well, he's really, I think he's more like six, four and a half already and two thirty-five. Yeah. Two forty. So I can see him. I mean, literally six, five and a half in time and two eighty. That that's a different. Now I'm not saying he's going to be that because, but that may be where he's headed. So a lot of this has to be, you know, conjecture. I would have ranked, for example, I would have ranked him higher if I were in charge of the rankings. I, I would just say it that way. It's a good pick. For sure. And then kind of along that same note, uh, Christian wants to know, when do the early enrollees get their numbers? Ooh, I think it's coming up. I do, I do too. <laughs> They'll get that spring roster going, and that's I, I think that's when we'll see it probably – uh, towards the end of February, early March, right before spring practice gets going. All right, guys, we got time for more questions, so please get your questions in. We would definitely appreciate that, and we'll get to as many as we can here. And uh, let's take this question for CJ from Antoine, and he asks, CJ, how are the horns looking with Tiger Ridden and Emmanuel Choice? I'll start with Tiger Ridden. Uh, I mean, Texas had him, or it was supposed to have him down for the junior day a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he was unable to make it in. Tech, uh, Charge Hoist is, you know, all over the country right now, uh, evaluating the running back position at 2025. As for the in-state guys, I look at Tiger Ryden as someone that Texas probably has uh, the deepest inroads uh, in with right now. Obviously, you talk about the DeSoto pipeline that Texas has been able to establish. Trey Wisner, uh, Jonte Cook, you look at Byron Washington, they're familiar with him there. Obviously, Booby Feaster in the 27 class was on campus uh, for the junior day as well. So, uh, a lot of connections pointing towards uh, uh, Tiger in, in, in that regard. Uh, but Texas is also looking at a Keelan Dayer out of Mississippi and Jordan Davison, obviously, out of Notre Day in California. So a lot of national recruiting going on at the running back position. And then Emmanuel Choice was uh, on campus for the junior day. Texas is looking good uh, in a position for him right now uh, to make a play. I actually look at what Oklahoma is doing for him uh, right now to, to a little bit closer uh, in terms of being able to probably snag that recruitment at the moment. Oklahoma values deep, you know, big body wide receivers just a little bit more. You look at Andrew Anthony and Nick Anderson, what they were able to deploy this past uh, uh, season. They like having their big body wide receivers go straight down the field and make splash plays. And even with Jeff Levy gone, their, uh, their tree – of uh, offensive coordinators right now with Seth Luttrell follows that same kind of mold. And I think that's what Brent Venables is looking for uh, in terms of what offense complements his defensive approach. So uh, Emmanuel Choice was uh, visited by Oklahoma this past week at Lancaster and also on campus for Oklahoma's junior day of, uh, this past weekend. Hey, let me ask you this question as it relates to that. You mentioned the change from Jeff Levy to uh, Seth Luttrell as offensive coordinator at, at Oklahoma. Is it Seth Luttrell more of a Mark Mangino kind of? Uh, he 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 likes to run it a lot more, uh, and, and in varied ways than maybe Jeff Levy did. Jeff Levy was power run and throw it over the top or throw it outside. Is this is this a different? I mean, based on what your knowledge of that offense is going to be, don't they need some some more guys that have a little bit more variety at receiver? 
I would think so. I, I think last year, you know, if it wasn't Drake Stoops underneath, there really wasn't a guy that you could point to and say, all right, well, it's third and six. Like, who are we going to right now? And, you know, you, you get the big splashy plays on the first and second down hole shots. But aside from that, Oklahoma was kind of a one-trick pony when it came to their receivers out wide. And with Drake Stoops, kind of that insurance uh, blanket that it is now departed, you're kind of looking around thinking, okay, who could be these guys stepping up for Oklahoma? But to your point, Bobby, it was a lot of power run and bomb over the top. It worked out for him at times. Uh, but, you know, at, at, when when Dylan Gabriel did not have his A game, you saw, you know, lapses in that offense that ultimately hurt them more times than not when it came to close conference ball games. All right, guys. Well, we've had a lot of people join as we um, obviously get here near the top of the hour. So let's go back, rehash the news that we talked about at the beginning of the show. And let, you know, we've been on the subject of recruiting. So let's talk about coaches on the road. What is the latest there? Texas making a, a wide sweep through the deep South uh, this week. You, you, you had Sarkey. I'll start from Monday. Texas went out and saw Emory Winston and Brandon Baker uh, brought out really what was looking like a, an all-star group of uh, recruiters with Jeff Banks, Tashard Choice, and Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, Tashard Choice has stayed in the area, as has Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, Sark was out at uh, Alabama yesterday to see uh, quarterback commit K.J. Lacey. Also got to see uh, the number six overall prospect, Anthony Jones, out of Mobile, Alabama as well, uh, while on his trip to Alabama. Uh, uh, Tashar Choice actually stuck down in the area and got to see uh, Akeelan Deer out of Mississippi, uh, Quitman, Mississippi, I believe is actually where he is closer to the Alabama border, really talented prospect. We watched his film the other day and it took uh, several minutes of tape before seeing him hit his knee on the ground one time. So pr talented prospect. We'll see just how Texas is able to get the inroads going there as well. Uh, Blake Gideon was out in, uh, Atlanta, Georgia yesterday, seeing 2025 defensive back, Jonte Gilbert, uh, one to watch, uh, moving forward. And then obviously, uh, we got to see Kenny Baker, the new Texas defensive line hire, start hitting the road uh, in the state of Texas. First stops yesterday were to uh, Spring High School to see uh, Floyd Guidry and also out to Cy Fair where he got to talk with uh, Landon Rink for the first time face-to-face. -face. Early returns say that uh, the energy was high and very likable, approachable guy uh, from Landon Rink who I was able to chat with just a little bit. So uh, good – I mean, we've talked about the uh, the Texas coaching staff ranking uh, – raising the miles on their, their frequent flyer card. Doesn't look like it's stopping anytime soon right now in the deep South. Yeah. It, the SEC footprint is, is a real thing. I said that early in this, this uh, broadcast and I, I truly believe it. Uh, you know, what's interesting. You mentioned not only um, to shard choice, Jeff Banks, Steve Sarkeesian down in the, the SEC. Blake Gideon was there yesterday too in Atlanta. So it's not just, oh, we're going to go with guys that have some real um, knowledge of the area. I mean, now Blake worked, I think, at Georgia State, so he's been to Atlanta. But my point is, um, it's, not, it's, not to it's not token, hey, we're going to recruit the South. They're starting to expend some resources in doing that. I think that, that we're going to see a slight difference in – uh, number of takes from the SEC footprint this year. They're going to they're going to canvas it even more than they have previously, and, and, which is smart. Yeah. The other big news that uh, we talked about at the beginning of the show here was Luke Storm, the first baseman for Texas. And I'm going to Jack says any news on Luke Storm, the first baseman that left the team. 
Storm posted that his journey playing baseball has come to an end due to personal reasons. Uh, so obviously a big loss there for the Longhorns. And then we'll look for Jared Thomas, of course, to move over to first base for them. And then I wanted to take this other uh, baseball-related question here real quick, guys, uh, from Dean. And he said, how much did last year's baseball season influence this year's newcomers to play for Coach Pierce? Baseball recruiting a little bit different than football in the sense that they kind of wrap those guys up pretty early. Now, obviously, you know, NCAA made some changes to the rules, and Coach Pierce even talked about it with us, uh, how much he liked it. Um, that they don't have contact until their junior year. However, if you go look at like perfect game, I mean, Texas next class is already pretty much in the books. You know, you're going to lose some guys to draft, but that success on the field is obviously going to help there as well. And then Mike D says, don't forget about softball starting too. Longhorns ranked number five, yet yeah, number five, I believe. And man, what a tough schedule. They play number one through four this season, along with, I think, three or four other top 15 teams on top of that. But, Bobby, one thing I want to plug real quick is tomorrow morning on Coffee and Football, Coach Mike White, head softball coach for the Longhorns, will be joining us for a little bit. We'll get to pick his brain. He'll give us a preview of the upcoming season and uh, talk about all the tough opponents that they're going to be facing this season. If you haven't seen the schedule, go look at it, man. I mean, it is just unreal the competition that they'll be facing hey he bring you talk about a guy that brings a lot of energy by the way CJ. <laughs> you're gonna enjoy this one if you haven't talked to him before yeah he, he he loves softball and it, it clearly shows <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it all right guys well we got time for some more questions here and uh let's go to this one from here we go horns says, can we please implement the BB gun formation this year? Blue, Baxter, and Gunner in the wing T. So many variations from that formation and personnel. The wing T. I don't think we'll see Texas run too much of it, but you never know. I like the creativity there. <laughs> BB gun formation. You know, that's the, the pony package that Rod likes talking about a lot. But hey, the, the names are, are flowing right now. And we can, I, this is the time to do it. I'm a big fan of it. What do you think, Bobby? I I don't know. I I do think we're going to see that that grouping on the field at the same time. I don't think we'll see them in the wing tee. <laughs> Unless Sark just happens to be listening to this today and does it as a joke for a day. You know, one day in practice comes out and then, you know, motions out of it. I will say this. The thing about Sark is you don't know what it's going to look like pre-snap. You do kind of know what he likes to get into eventually from a formation standpoint. The wing tee is not one of them. He may start in the wing tee. He's not going to end there, I don't think. Hey, real quick, guys, before we move on, uh, Winston Culpepper, we got your super chat, but no question or comment attached to it. If you'll send it regular, I'll make sure to fix that for you, and then we'll get it asked and get it addressed for sure. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Mike D says, this past season's Longhorn football team, who, in your opinion, was the unsung hero for the Longhorns? On offense, defense, special teams, and overall. Hmm. Special teams for me was Keaton Crawford. I mean, I, I just, I think he's elite. And so whether, I don't know if he's unsung in that regard, but I thought the dude was elite. And then second would be both Ryan Sanborn and Burt Auburn. I mean, those guys were elite. 
in my opinion. Uh, so take special team. I, I think everybody would agree with those three, probably. I would, yeah, I'd add Keelan Robinson to the bunch. He was did work as a gunner and obviously flipped around, had a couple of big returns. Uh, I'd feel remiss not to include him. Yeah. He was a, a big one. Offensively, I, I mean, unsung. Texas maybe uh, Christian Jones. I was maybe. probably going to go Christian Jones. I feel like we didn't. Major. There wasn't many. There there weren't many guys that we could point to on the offensive side of the ball and say you know that they they didn't contribute on the field too often. But when they did, it was a big part of it because you know when when you were on the field for Steve Sarkeesian, you were on the field uh, offensively. So. Uh, Christian Jones probably just from the step that he was able to take and anchor down that right side of the offensive line. I like that one. Uh, we have the super chat now from Winston. And guys, obviously a, a lot of uh, drama, I guess, would be the word about the horns down, especially after the BYU game uh, over the weekend in basketball. Lots of national commentary regarding that. And that's what Winston's super chat is regarding. He says, when a longhorn has his horns up, he's safe. But when he lowers his head and puts his horns down, he's attacking and you need to run. Kind of funny. The competition thinks it's an insult. Thank you, Winston, by the way, for the super chat. <laughs> you know, look, my my comment on, on this is the same as I made the other day. I, I just don't like does any is anybody actually perturbed by that? The only time that I get pissed off about it and the only time is when someone's doing it in someone's face. Like it's the middle finger, you know, like it's like, like it's taunting, right? Like right to someone face to face. And that has not, and that could be, if that's happening, it has nothing to do with actually the hand signal and actually just the, what the other guy is doing in his body language period, not the, not the horns down signal. Um, I think that, you know, Maybe people thought it was disrespectful in, in a purist standpoint. And I can see that. I don't have a problem with that, but I, I definitely don't think Texas should be trying to legislate it. Um, I know that I'll say this. I know that the people that run the university don't, I mean, they, they see it kind of as a, uh, as a uh, element of college sports that makes them one of the teams that are like the Raiders. You either love them or hate them. Or the Cowboys, you either love them or hate them. They don't. They don't have a problem with that. That's that's what stand, makes Texas stand alone compared to some other other people. Well, one other thing that we talked about at the beginning of the show uh, is Michigan, obviously with the coaching changes, and you know we're getting lots of comments still regarding that. This one from Lloyd Davis, for example. I doubt many players leave Michigan since they'll be playing for a coach that took over and still won while Harbaugh was going through his suspension. Todd Lacey then adds, Michigan is going to be bringing in new assistants. There will be some attrition. So with that said, and I'm going to use Captain Americano's question here, uh, do you think there will be eventual attrition? I do. I do. Now, when all is said and done, I think there's going to be attrition. How much is the question? I think they're going to lose two or three key guys, at least. Will they lose eight? Like Alabama, would Alabama end up losing seven or eight? CJ, that were starters. Caleb Downs, the best player. Isaiah Bond, best off. I mean, I Amari not. They lost several. Um, Chris Weatherford saying Michigan DT went in the portal already. He was a backup. 
that that wasn't going to play a lot, uh, Chris. So uh, don't don't worry about that one, in my opinion. Um, <clears throat> he's kind of a, a non non event uh, of sorts. But I do think come April, you're going to have at least two or three guys that are going to be there. Uh, I think that are going to move in. I, I just don't know if it's going to be eight. And that's the key. Uh, you know, if it goes to that level, then that's true attrition. If it's two or three, any good team like Michigan can stomach that. Earlier, CJ, you mentioned that you're excited for football already, even though it just ended at the collegiate level. And a lot of other people are, too. They're ready to see the spring game. And we got some questions regarding that. The Green Lantern says, last year I melted during the spring game. I feel you. Will this year's game be an evening game? Have the times for the baseball game come out that day? I know Texas is set to play TCU. I, I would imagine they try to flip it, you know, Good one point. way or the other for it to be a night game if Texas is playing during the day or a day game if Texas is playing at night. So I, I would look for, you know, whichever time comes out first to be the opposite of the other one. So uh, right now I, I I hope it's under the lights, like you said, because that's going to be a, a lot cooler of an evening for us to watch Texas football uh, than what it has been in the past. I've got to say, I've got to tell you all this. This is personal. The spring game is one of my favorite times of the year. And the reason why is me and my college buddies at Te from Texas, we all rent a house and sit in Austin, Texas for about two or three days and do nothing but joke around, hang out, go watch football, go to our old favorite haunts. Spring football is great because you're able to do that. If it were football season, I can't do that because I'm working so hard. With spring football, I have to work, but it's not like I'm all, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not as serious. But anyways, spring football game, if you, if you haven't done it and you have some friends, it's a good time to just go down and hang out in Austin uh, for a couple of days and, and see football at a leisurely pace. Even if there's a, there, and there's going to be a ton of fans there this year. Like they're, they're, each year Sark's been there. There's been more and more fans, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that is a good time to get to Austin. The weather is typically okay. Um, you do, and you will bake in the sun if you don't get underneath the overhang, et cetera. But, you know, I, I, I enjoy that, that time of year as much as anything. We're doing it again this year, me and my buddies. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, man. And to your point, Christine says, last year was so nice during the morning. By the time the game started, I was absolutely dying from the heat. But it was so much fun, though. And uh, hey, Blake, you, hey, Blake, tell people what you did, because some of the some people are have got young kids like you do. Yeah. Well, and I, what I'm, you did during for uh, spring ball, because Texas makes its players available uh, to to the to the fans that day, that yeah. morning. Um, and I'll actually answer Nate's question here that I was going to get to next. How bad are the autograph lines typically at the spring game? Have three young boys, seven and under, trying to set expectations. My advice is to show up early, you know, 45 minutes at least. I'd say 30 to 45 minutes, somewhere in there early, getting that line. And Texas does a great job. And, that, and that's what we did last year because my middle son, uh, actually the poster hanging over me, <laughs> <laughs> is autographed, I think, from this game. But they do a great job of breaking it up and getting you in and getting you out pretty quick. And then you have the Bebo Boulevard going on. Usually you have all the festivities. Uh, you know, and, the, and there's just so much going on. And it's great for families, especially if you, if I'm in the same boat as you. I have three boys, Nate. 
Um, and, you know, they, they go down there and they all have a good time. Mine, obviously, are from 5 to 15, so a little bit different age range, but there was something down there for everybody. And Texas does a really good job of, you know, making it where there, there is something for everybody, whether it, it's food or games or, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, it, it is a good time, but for the autograph line, I would say at least show up 30 minutes early, if not 45. So we're going to stay here on uh, the spring game. And, and Jameson asked, who do you think will have a breakout during the spring game on offense and who on defense? And do you think we'll have a true freshman breakout like Anthony Hill did last year? Hmm. I'm going for, I'm going with Ryan Wingo on offense, um, maybe Trey Wisner on offense. Um, those are my two that I think, like, I don't consider Isaiah Bond a breakout or Matthew Golden or or uh, any of the transfers, right? I, that's hard for me to, because I don't know enough yet. Um, but Ryan Wingo and Trey Wisner on offense for me, uh, I, I don't, I wouldn't consider Jonte Cook breaking out either. Because I kind of know, we've kind of seen him, right? And there are expectations there. Uh, on defense, man, I, I want it to be Sadir Mitchell so bad. <laughs> I, but, but I don't know that it will be. Um, and so I'll go with, I'll maybe go with an improved Derek Williams on defense. I, that, that'll be mine. I like, I like Ryan Wingo. I think that's one that you can see the the tangible breakout. You know, big catch. We saw a little bit of a Jonte with the big touchdown receptions. Uh, Malik Murphy, I thought, was the biggest winner from last year's spring game, obviously, with the deep throws. I like that on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, if you're talking about guys that I want to see take the next step, it's Leonga LaFowle in the middle of the defense. And then, you know, newcomer, maybe a, a Zena or Colin Simmons off the edge. Uh, we're gonna kind Colin of off the edge or Trey Moore. See what he really has when he takes that step up in competition. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then before we move away from the spring game discussion, Horn for Life says, Bobby, I have to know what's your what your favorite haunt is. Well, I like all the little interesting stuff on in, down in South South uh Austin uh a little bit. That's where we usually stay, is over in a little neighborhood there. Uh, but uh, if it's around campus, the place that I have gone to forever for 35 years now, it's a place called Crown and Anchor Pub. And me and my buddies go over there. We went there in college. We go there now. It's right next to the Posse East, if, you know, if you're familiar with that area. It's also very easy to get to the football practice field from there. So <laughs> that's, that's another reason for me to still frequent it. But um, uh, that's, that's my take. That's where I've gone. I used to a lot of the places I used to go are, are gone. Quacking bushes. I used to go get coffee there. I mean, it's uh, it's it, the the amount of change is crazy. And I, I really like what they've done with campus, by the way. over the, If you haven't been on campus in 10 to 15 years, CJ, you were lucky. We There used to be bat, bat dew on all of, up and down campus and guano. And all, it was, it was, it was grackles, I think, were the birds. Now they've cleaned that place up. It's, uh, it's so much nicer, but anyways, uh, I, I like crown and anchor. That's kind of my place. 
Well, we discussed who might uh, break out during the spring, but Miguel wants to talk about the fall. He says, guys, who are the dogs going to be next year? That dude opposing teams are like, I don't want no smoke with this guy. Would it be Campbell, Williams, Hills, guys like that? Who do y'all think? I think Campbell and Hill are two. Uh, I think you got that one right. I think if, look, if Neto gets on the field, I think he's one too. He's He plays a little spicy. <laughs> Right, yeah. we see that in very limited steps. He he's got no problem being spicy. Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, what about what about somebody like Ethan Burke if he takes the next step? I know it's does he, he doesn't look like it, but he plays with that. I mean, he plays through the whistle, and those tend to be the guys that irritate the other team. Right, the ones that the whistle blows and then there's still that half second of going through your, your block or, or going through your man. With a six, six man at that, you know, yeah, that's, you not like it's a, a guy you can disengage with easily. This guy, he's a big dude. Yeah. I like yeah they, that feel, they, they, they don't just get the cheese. They go for a little extra cheese at the end of the play. That's I like those guys. Yeah. Every team needs like four or five of them. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Amari Nyblack. Osmosis Jones says, I haven't seen much Nyblack film, but he looks like a physically gifted player and could be used similar to Jatavion Sanders. Where's the drop-off there? Well, the drop-off, for to JT uh, Sanders' credit, he became a more willing blocker and more willing to be physical in the trenches. It still wasn't necessarily a strength for him by the time he left campus, but it was a step up and from, from which we saw from year one on the field to year two, nigh black, a little skinnier, a little thinner than what we saw at JT Sanders. So he's more uh, of a leaner kind of build. You see his, his ability to get down the field and make the plays and intermediate routes. You'll see a lot of that from him. Obviously the, the speed and elusiveness down the field uh, play to his strength in that, that regard, obviously has great hands as well. Uh, but where you'll see the drop-off is when he's coming around as a wham blocker uh, from that H-back position, from that tight end spot. So I, I think you'll see a little bit a little bit of a drop-off, but if you're able to get him on campus and, and get him right into the system, hopefully add five or ten pounds, you'll see a, a, a willingness as well, like we saw with uh, Jatavian Sanders. Well, before we move on to the next question, Bobby, I'm going to let you tell everybody out there about Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much to Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm. Uh, Adam has been uh, sponsoring our show for more than a year now. We really appreciate him. Uh, Adam and his law firm, Lowy Law Firm, have been helping injured Texans for more than two decades now. Uh, if you've been injured in a car wreck, truck accident, a motorcycle, RV, whatever it may be, uh, Adam and his group give you a free consultation, no strings attached. Uh, if you are, uh, think you may be due some compensation or want to talk about legal ramifications, give him a call. 512-280-0800, 512-280-0800. Uh, or you can reach him at his uh, website, lowylawfirm.com. Adam, thanks for your sponsorship of Coffee and Football every Wednesday morning. Well, we have time for just a couple of more questions. And uh, Jameson says, Bobby, I listen a lot, and I believe you're a barbecue connoisseur. What place should I try in Austin for the spring game? I think connoisseur means eater. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been called a connoisseur before. Um, Franklin's in, in town is a, 
is some of the best barbecue I've ever had. Terry Black's is one that I love. Uh, I think they they do it they do it right. Um, the other ones, I mean, look, I had to be. I guess I am a barbecue. My my wedding rehearsal dinner was at Salt Lake Barbecue. <laughs> you know, if, if you've ever been out to Driftwood in that area, uh, that's an experience. Like go out there and it's an all you can eat kind of place. Open pit. I love that. Um, you know, uh, the, the other places uh, I like, uh, there's a uh, barbecue place in um, Lockhart. Terry Black's is out there. But then also, and I haven't had Interstellar or La, La Barbecue, which I've heard both are really good in Austin. And then there's a place in Taylor that I really like. Uh, it's about a 30 minute drive out of town. Uh, but if I were doing that, I'd go Terry Black's, I'd go Franklin's, and I'd go Salt Lick. Um, that's me. La Barbecue is one that I've heard great things about, but I have not had yet. I, I got to ask both of you real quick. What's, what's your go-to? Is it, Are you a brisket guy? You're a ribs guy? If you could only pick one, what, what are you picking on that menu? Brisket and sausage. I love like really like the Czech sausage for me, if people do it right is as good as it gets. Like I, I, you know, that's a big one. Hey, Casey Stuttered has a place in Austin that I want to uh, pull up to, by the way. Uh, don't forget about that. I think it's over off Manchac uh, in South Austin. Yeah, great so spot. A plug. He's been on, he's been on our show before. I need to, get, I want to give him a plug and support his business. I think he's only open Wednesday through Saturday though, or something like that, CJ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Joel, we are going to talk about Ethan Burke to close out the show because we lots of questions and comments about him. And uh, let's start with David Williams. He says, I hope Ethan Burke is stronger and even more physical. 265 by the beginning of the 2024 season. And then Brandon Hines follows it up with, can Burke add more weight and play on the interior? So I'm going to let y'all answer those. But also, what are your expectations for Burke this upcoming season? Um, I don't think he can ever play defensive interior defense line. He has, I don't want to say bird legs because that, that's he's got better legs than that. But compared to a Tavondre Sweat, he has bird legs, right? So don't don't be uh, putting him on the interior. I do like the idea though of adding more weight, and I think that look, everybody sees an Ethan Burke and said, oh well, he's a you know JJ Watt starter kit because JJ Watt was. 6'6", 215 coming out of high school, right? I don't know. I, I don't know that he's that good, right? And I don't know that he can carry the weight that J.J. Watt was eventually able to carry. And that will, uh, in large part, uh, tell you what he can be. Like the Boses can carry that weight, right, CJ? Yeah. I don't know what he can and can't carry. Um, and and that'll that'll matter. Yeah, he uh, he came into this this fall at 257. So I think a, a rise up to 265 is not out of the picture. If you're pushing 270, I think you begin to wonder can he hold the weight, like you said, Bobby. Uh, but a, a great season for me from Ethan Ethan Burke is about eight sacks. I think if he's able to reach that number and you add what you are on the defensive end spot, you're looking at what could be a pretty good uh, pass rush. Eight sacks to me would be a tremendous season. Anything above six is an improvement from last year. Hey, CJ and Blake, what are y'all's go-to barbecue? What, what's your not not oh. necessarily the place, but but the style? Brisket, sausage, ribs. Yeah. I'm a big brisket fan. I gotta, I mean, any place that 
doesn't have fried okra as a spot I'm not going to. <laughs> I'll be honest. If you're not adding fried okra to, your, to to my meal, I'm I'm out. That's that's how I gauge good barbecue. You gotta be. Oh man, fried okra. I was surprised hey, we didn't hear any Stubbs love out here as well. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm gonna say mine brisket. I also like turkey a lot. And then uh, th- this past weekend, um, oh gosh, in Lano Cooper's. I had some Cabrito as well. That, that was absolutely amazing. And on CJ's note, he's an okra guy. I love the jalapeno corn with the cream sauce in it. Man, that's like my favorite side besides the beans, obviously. But I, brisket and turkey for sure. But I got to give a shout out to them for that Cabrito. And even their smoked chicken was phenomenal this past weekend, too. <laughs> yeah. there. I, look, I, people... There is not. I agree. Fried okra is not barbecue. Someone Douglas oh, Scott wrote that. I, come on, dude. I mean, give me a break. That's um, outrageous. Yeah, no. I, it's I, like I, mayonnaise I, on a hot dog. Look, this, the <laughs> ultimate side for for this is mac and cheese, right? Yeah. I mean, mac and cheese, on. fried okra, and a nice uh, nice brisket. Come on. No beans. I, I know. Oh. No, I think beans too. So baked beans too. By the way, get it out of here. <laughs> have you ever had spicy pinto beans with brisket that's really good yeah yeah yes man now i'm hungry i know now i want to skip <laughs> breakfast when i get out of here <laughs> might have to run across might have to run down the road to hard eight in stephenville and, and eat lunch here after this show oh man all right y'all well bobby tell folks what they can expect later today uh on, on the on Texas football channel along with what you what you got going over on ontexasfootball.com? Absolutely. We're following the coaches on ontexasfootball.com right now, seeing if there's anything going on. Somebody asked about Taco Davis, the uh, defensive back out of Arizona, and if he was going to visit Texas. I don't think that's happening at this point. Um, and so we'll, we'll see if, if that happens. Uh, at this time, a week ago, they were trying to get him on campus uh, when they kind of they kind of moved on from Javar Muhammad and didn't think he was the juice was worth the squeeze there. Um, and they were looking at possibly getting him in. Uh, but I, I don't know that that's going to happen now. Uh, that that kind of came and went. They aren't going to, for sure, be able to get him in for the spring semester. Uh, so that might be a, another look. Uh, as far as what we got coming on on Texas football, uh, the, uh, the video version, Rod and I get together for the state of the program. We do that each and every week. Uh, and then we also have the uh, live stream later tonight. Uh, we'll be looking for uh, a lot of different uh, news as it relates to recruiting. Uh, if we have more on Luke Storm and his uh, law, baseball team loss there, uh, we'll, we'll report on that as well. Um, also, uh, look forward to tomorrow uh, beginning a new month uh, right now. Let's close out January the right way, guys. That's right. And then don't forget tomorrow we'll have Mike White, head softball coach for the University of Texas right here on Coffee and Football. It should be a fun time as well. But thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for the super chats, the great questions. Lots of good discussion today that was all over the place, but a really, really good discussion. Got to thank Adam Lowy and the Lowy Law Firm for sponsoring today's show. And uh, don't forget to check us out on TexasFootball.com. Hit that like and subscribe button on the YouTube channel as well. We would appreciate it. And for Bobby Burton and CJ Vogel, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Hook up. I hope we have another surprise for you tomorrow.